I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. Welcome back. We are in season two of Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. We are so excited to kick off the beginning of 2022 with season two. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And today we are talking with Carly Mason. I am Carly Mason. I've lived in Dayton for, oh my goodness, eight years now. I moved from Cincinnati, so Ohio native. I do a lot of work in the marketing field. It's kind of my go-to there, my niche. But outside of that, huge mental health advocate. I have been for the past like 10 years of my life, and there are many things that have led to that. But I kind of see myself as a giver when it comes to that. It's kind of how I would describe it, I guess. Carly is 25 years old. And I love so much to hear someone at the ripe old age of 25 already being deep into her healing journey and to be open, honest, and vulnerable about it. I think that's so powerful. It really is, Bridget. And I resonate because I was 25 when I started my first deep dive of healing. So I commend her 100% because not a lot of mid-20-year-olds are at a place where they are ready to take that first deep dive. So it's amazing to hear, and I'm excited to hear her story. Tell us, what does healing mean to you? I think it means a lot of different things. I see it as a difficult thing, which is odd because people are like, oh, healing is easy and like you can get through things. But I think it's difficult and it shows up differently in life no matter what. And I'm one of those people that has to take a step back and look at an entire situation and kind of think like what's gonna be good for me in this moment and I kind of sit down and I color and that's like how I kind of work through like a healing process because if I'm stressed or overwhelmed or really anxious it's what calms me down and kind of like gives me that time to like think and like be by myself and like heal through that which people would think like coloring really but it's like really relaxing and calming and it's like what helped me heal in a sense I guess that's how I would describe it. Tell me about how you got started on coloring and how that shows up in your healing process. It was probably three or four years ago. My parents got me a coloring book for Christmas. And I was like, why did you buy me a coloring book? They were like, you'll understand like once you actually get into it. And I was like, okay, like, you know, like 21. So I'm like, what? Why did you buy me a coloring book for Christmas? I ended up like months down the road, finally pulling it out and looking at it. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? For me, it's one of those things where I'm so detail oriented and I like taking my time that I outline things in marker and then I color them with a colored pencil inside with a matching color and it has to look perfect. And if it's not perfect, I slip to the next page, start a new one because I can't look at the same thing for too long. But once I started doing that, it became more of a consistent practice for myself. So rather than getting in bed at night and watching TV or scrolling on my phone, I see myself sitting there coloring for like an hour, hour and a half, just in silence, and then going to bed. So it's kind of like my nighttime routine now just to do that, at least try to do it like two or three times a week, rather than kind of immersing myself in like social media and being online and having a light in my face for hours of a day, which I do eight hours anyway. So kind of taking that time there. As you're doing that, as you're 
quieting yourself to color? Are there things that come up for you? And if so, how do you process through that? Yeah, there are a lot of the time. It's more like daily stressors than it is anything else or like daily things that just like, wow, like this happened this day or this week that come into my mind and the coloring is kind of like my journaling. So when I think through these things or things come to my mind, it either sometimes it becomes more intense and I like am super quick doing it and I can like tell when I'm thinking about a lot of stuff because I color a lot faster. When I'm more relaxed and not thinking, I'm like very slow and like take my time. But when those things do come up, it's kind of like I just think about them and like process my thoughts in my head, but like take it out with coloring rather than getting angry or like upset, if that makes sense. So it helps her mind to calm down and she can process through these daily stressors. So this is something she does on a regular basis, which I find so fascinating. So I personally have a mandala coloring book. So it's super detailed, but I don't use it nearly as much as Carly described. And so I found that so interesting. She talked about trying lots of different healing modalities, but how this was something that has worked really well for her. Bridget, I'm like you. I have a coloring book. I actually have multiple. My mom and my sister gifted me three coloring books last Christmas, and I've only started one page of one. And I'm not even finished with that first page. So And I've thought about it. I think it is something that you have to be intentional about. And I'm a person that if I cannot be present with something, I don't want to start it. However, I think there could be some balance in that it doesn't have to be perfect. So I think I'm inspired now by Carly because I have been wanting to get back to coloring. And so I think that'll be an exercise that I do at some point really soon. What I love about coloring We talk often about how there are so many different types of healing modalities. And a lot of times when people say healing, the first thing they think about is therapy. And of course, we're big advocates of therapy. There also are so many other modalities. And coloring in a coloring book sounds childlike. But the truth is that sometimes childlike activities, things we say that are relegated for children, play in general, can be so incredibly helpful and healing. We've talked about dance before. And so I loved how Carly brings to us this healing modality of coloring and just how impactful it has been for her in self-regulating. Thinking about those healing modalities that gives us the permission in the space to not be so adult, to kind of free our minds of responsibilities and things like that, and to tap into our creativity and innocence. And I think it is very helpful because to your point, One of the modalities that I do almost on a daily basis is cooking therapy and dance therapy. Those are a part of my daily routine. And I dance like in the morning. So I'll dance in the shower. I'll dance as I'm like kind of opening up my blinds and everything while I'm cooking. It's just creating that space to allow your creative juices to flow, but not thinking too hard about anything. Just whatever you feel is what comes out. And it is such a calming, relaxing, healing method. If coloring is her thing, do that and make time for it. So Carly shared that she began her deep dive at the beginning of 2021. And it should have started a long time ago, but this year was one of those times where I kind of actually stepped back and kind of took a look at the past like 10 years. And I was like, why has this not happened? Like, why are you not taking care of yourself, but you're taking care of everyone else? And so 
that thought came to my mind. It's kind of like my New Year's resolution, if you will, to take care of myself and start this journey because I knew if I didn't, that it probably would just keep like digressing rather than getting any better progress. What was the trigger for that? I actually sat back and it's one of those things I read a quote the other day and it's like your past trauma, like if it's not showing up now, like your romantic relationships will have it show up in some way and you're going to find out like what it is. And this was more in like a friendship way, but I had a friend that kind of just like told me straight. She's like, all you do is care about other people. You're doing this, you're doing that. You don't do anything for yourself. People want you, you're there at their beck and call all the time, 24 seven, but you don't do anything for yourself. And I was like, yeah, but I like taking care of people and I'm a giver and like, no, like you need to actually take a chill pill and take care of yourself. And in that moment is when actually in February of this year, I started seeing a therapist again for probably the 10th or 12th time in my past 10 years being off and on with that. And that opened up like a whole can of worms that I was just like, holy crap, this friend was right. And I was not taking care of myself and it showed up through vocalizing my actions, what I was doing on a day-to-day basis or how was I showing up for other people? And it was like more for anyone else than myself. I can totally relate to putting other people before yourself and how important it is for the healing journey to reverse that, to make yourself the priority. I think I've shared before that like my real deep dive of my healing journey was 2015, but there were things that occurred before that was kind of setting me up for that because I remember being in college I just felt like my family was so proud, but it felt to me like they were putting me on a pedestal. And so with that, I began to feel like I had to be perfect. I had to please them and this and that. And I couldn't mess up. I couldn't make a mistake. And then I remember being in college. It was probably sophomore year where I was just like, I cannot live like this anymore. I'm young and I'm human and I'm making mistakes and I don't even feel like I can share them that pressure of caring too much about what other people thought and putting other people first started to weigh down on me and made me want to remove myself from that and to shift gears so that I could start putting myself first, my happiness first, what I wanted to do, not, well, what would my family think? Or what would these people think? It was like, well, what do you want? And making that shift was something that was very crucial for me to even get to the place of healing when it was time to really go deep with that. It's an uncomfortable thing to do, It's a hard thing to do, especially when your closest loved ones are like so used to it. But it's so necessary for the healing journey to really have the impact that it's supposed to have. And that's really what Carly's Deep Dive has been about. It has been about examining the patterns where she did not make herself a priority, made other people a priority, and nobody really knew. So when she started this deep dive, what came up for her was. 10 years prior, a really deep teenage depression. Going back to when I was 15, 16, went through a lot of what I didn't think was like an issue, I guess. I think 10 years ago, like mental health and like mental health advocacy wasn't as present as it is now. Like people talk about it a lot more now. They recognize it. They want to learn and educate themselves. And 10 years ago, I don't think that anyone really knew or cared or really took the time, especially as like a teenager. And I know my parents definitely had no idea. They were just like, you're having an episode. You need to calm yourself down kind of thing. But going through like high school, I was bullied a lot. I wanted to be like that cool girl and like hang out with the cool people and do the cool things. And that was one of the things that I think I pushed myself too hard to do that, that I 
put myself down a road of like very much being unhappy. And then that's when like all the bullying stuff happened. I transferred high schools twice. My junior year, I went homeschooling for semester. And then my senior year, I went to a whole different school. And then that was just like, I couldn't even do it there. Like I was like, I just want to get out of here as fast as possible. Like I don't want to be around these people that make me feel terrible. I had friends. I had like, I wasn't like terrified of being in the school and I wasn't having a terrible time, but I had a very traumatic relationship in high school with a guy that like was both mentally and pretty physically abusive. And I kind of like bypassed it because I was like, well, if I say something like what's going to happen next? I don't think it was recognized in the way that it should have been, not only for myself, but from like family and from friends. They should have like told me that these things were happening, but it was just one of those things where if I didn't do something right, it was always like a big deal, like screaming, yelling, and like really just kind of basically throwing me on the ground almost. It's like the feeling I felt like I was just getting like completely just like torn apart with words. People think oh, actions do speak louder than words, but like words can be just as painful. And I think they're actually more painful than like any action can be in my perspective as being a very emotional person. Words are just like pain to me if they're mean. So when all of this was happening, my parents didn't recognize it in the way that I think they would now that all the experiences have happened. But in doing all of that, I kind of just felt like I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to have to deal with this pain. I don't want to have to deal with this hurt. And I just don't see a reason. February was the first time I did try to take my life. And then the second time was a couple months later. And at that point, when I went into the hospital is when they were like, we're going to have to put you into like a facility for like a week. So you can like work through things, figure out like what medication you might need to be on and whatever. And I think at that time, I more or less did not want to be there. I did not want help. I was like, I can do this myself. Like, why am I here? And so I didn't take advantage of that week like I should have. I kind of was just like trying to get through it and get out as fast as I possibly could. I was like, I don't want to be here. I was probably one of the worst people to be around because I was always on edge. And I know like a conversation with family, I would just yell at them. I treated my family so terribly during that time. I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, like now I have a great relationship with them. So it's like, what was happening then? But I was also like a very emotional, like screwed up in the head, almost teenager at the time. So I didn't know what was going on. So I just had an attitude all the time. It's so impactful for Carly at 25 years old to be sharing with us about teenage depression. The CDC says almost 2 million children between the ages of 3 and 17 have been diagnosed with depression and 4.4 million with anxiety. I think we really need to be talking about that. Her parents, she described that her parents were very loving, but they didn't know what was really going on with her. And I think a lot of parents, we have these stereotypes of teenage angst. It's almost considered normal when the truth is a lot of times there's depression and anxiety behind that. That's hitting really close to home because in my family, we're currently experiencing some of that with some very young family members. And it's just so hurtful to see young people go through those kinds of things. And I'm glad that we know now and we can do something about it and help is being provided right now. But man, it breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart. That's why healing is so important and we have to start doing it and we have to start having these conversations because children should not have to go through those things. 
life is always happening and we're always overstimulated. We're always running. And so a lot of times parents, they cannot be present. They cannot really put their finger on like what's changed with their children to tap in and tune in. And it's unfortunate, but we have to start making the room in the time and the space and being intentional about it because we have to save our baby's lives. My family, we actually are going to be doing some um, loving intervention with a young person that's in my family that's going through some of that depression and anxiety. We have to step in now that we know we have to step in. Absolutely. Carly described how at that time she was what she, in her words, she said she was mean to her parents. She didn't have an outlet for what was going on inside of her. And so she would yell and fight with her parents. And I think that's where it comes back to that stereotype that that's how teenagers are. But it isn't that that's how teenagers are. It's that they don't know how to handle the trauma they're experiencing, whether it's at home or at school or in these brand new puppy love relationships, right, that they don't understand. And I think it's so important for people like Carly, young people like Carly to come out and say, hey, this is what I experienced. And it is still affecting me today, right? I am taking the time to heal. But the truth is that it has impacted the way that I show up. I think it's really important that we continue to talk about the impact of those teenage traumas. And like you said, how can we show up for them in loving ways to alleviate the shame earlier? We have to start having real conversations with children. These kids are so smart. They're smarter than ever. They are so bright. My five-year-old niece, she is more intelligent than most adults. She's very articulate. She knows how to use her words and all of those things. And, and it's just like, so they can understand. There is some balance there, right? You got to have a little bit of boundaries because you don't want to expose them too young, right, to things that their minds can't necessarily comprehend. But we have to start having real vulnerable, transparent conversations with kids as we see their development is ready. Because that's the thing. Our parents and elders, they try to shield us from the realities of life so much so that it becomes a detriment to us because they're not being honest. And so then we go out into the world and we're experiencing what is very much real and sometimes natural, but not so natural. We don't know how to deal with it. We don't have the tools. We don't have the experience. We have not been equipped in any kind of way because no one had the conversation with us that, hey, there is such thing as generational trauma and there are people who project. And so if that occurs, this is how you deal with it. Those conversations need to be had. And we have to stop being afraid about it because I personally believe that that is going to be the way that we save our children or help them. We just need to equip them. Even if we can't fully save them, at least they know kind of what to experience. The same concept of having the, the birds and the bees conversation. Like, prepare your children. Like, we have to do that. These things happen in life. And if they are going to experience that, they need to be as prepared as possible to navigate the situation and make good decisions and choices. And I think that even if the individual, even if your child is not going to be one who experiences struggles with mental illness or experiences traumatic experience at school or bullied, even if they are not one of those children, their friends are. The statistics are saying that there are kids in their class who are living through trauma or have lived through trauma. That is just true. And so having the conversations with them allows them not only personally to be prepared, but as you're saying, 
to heal generationally so that they can support one another. Because the truth is, they're talking about this stuff with one another. And so the more that we can open those doors for conversation, the more that we can help them to heal, not just as individuals, but collectively. So what Carly was talking about is that those experiences had a direct result on her always giving and ignoring herself. Because that was the coping mechanism to get her through, which was if I focus on other people and not on myself, and I don't have to feel what I'm feeling, and other people are happy with me, then I can push past these teenage experiences and I can move on. I think our society really rewards that, right? When she finally this year came out about what happened when she was a teenager and really started opening up about her story. First of all, it was scary. Like, am I going to be judged? But what she found is that people were surprised. Something came over me a few months ago, and I was like, people need to know. Like, this can't be like a secret anymore. And I think that also was like a trigger for me of like my healing right there was like being transparent. So when I turned my phone on and did an Instagram TV video for 30 minutes talking about a journal entry that I had wrote a year prior about my feelings and like what I went through. Wow. Like people look at me and they're like, oh, I would have never thought you're happy. You're bubbly. Like I wouldn't think that maybe you try to take your life two times. You don't look like a person that would do that. And I'm like, well, it may not look like that on the exterior, but what we have internally is a whole nother animal because you're just never going to see it until it's actually said. In doing that, I think that it kind of gave me a release. I can understand that like if I'm having a day or like, I'm just not very talkative when I'm out, they can be like, okay, well, I know what she needs and she just needs some space. She might need a hug or whatever it might be. They can like recognize that I need these things. And that's been huge because people are asking questions now. And I think that's important, whether it's to better understand what I need as a friend or whatever it is, as a daughter, a sister, or it's kind of an education purpose, I would say. I think that's really important now more than ever to educate and have people be more aware because, I mean, we all have our demons, we all go through things, but I know in doing that and being super transparent, like people have now opened up. People have reached out and been like, hey, I now see that I need to do this. You empowered me, you encouraged me. And like, I feel supported because you could be open enough to do that. And like, there's a lot of power in that. So that's felt really good for me, like that other people are recognizing what they need for themselves and not kind of holding it in. And it shows up differently for everyone. I know for me, I was, oh my goodness, there's been multiple things that have like shown up for me over the years. And one of them or two of them, I should say, one was I was drinking all the time. And I recognized that as a, at the beginning, like, oh, I'm having fun. I haven't had fun. Like I didn't have fun in college really. And I'm going to do it now and I'm having all this fun. But really, it was me trying to hide everything else and just say, well, I'm having fun. I'm doing what I want. But in reality, when I look back on it, I'm like, actually, I was just trying to like run away from everything else going on. So that was one thing that I was like, I look back at it now and I'm like, holy crap, like what the heck? And then the other thing that shows up for me is overworking myself. And I know that that has been like a whole thing. I know that I would work 24-7 all the time, every day for years to just run away from everything else going on. And that's another thing of taking my power back is like taking a step back, like, Carly, I need you to do X, Y, Z. And knowing I can say no, 
I don't have the capacity for that right now. So I'm not going to do that. Like maybe when things slow down, I can. In doing that too, I think even in the work world, now there's a place for people to recognize like we know when enough's enough and too much is too much and they respect it rather than getting angry. And I think there's a, a whole battle there with going to like your boss and saying like, here's what I need and here's what I'm feeling. Is it okay if I take this for myself? And people don't feel comfortable doing that. But I felt like I'm at this point where I'm like, I'm not going to let myself be walked all over. And I'm going to stand up for myself and know that if it's too much, it's too much. I know for myself in the past when I have used either working all the time or alcohol as a way to not feel my feelings, in the absence of those things, the feelings arise. What has that looked like for you and how have you dealt with the things that come up in the absence of the things that you use to kind of numb your experiences? Now, I think I can actually allow myself to feel and that's something I never did before. I know like if I went out for like three days with my friends and then went back to work and had a week and then went home and did the same routine every day that when I actually had that chance to sit down, I would like just break down, cry in my room for hours. And it was like a repetitive scene all the time. I was really emotional, but I never let anyone see it besides myself. I wasn't going to tell anyone about it. I was still going to be that fun girl that's always doing whatever she wants. And in the absence of that, not going out all the time with people and drinking and overworking myself, it's been very eye-opening because I can sit back and be like, okay, I'm not going to go out at all this weekend but I'm going to stay home and like actually relax and not do anything. And I was such a goer, like a goer and a doer all the time. I never wanted to sit still. I never wanted to be alone with my thoughts. And now that I can, I think that there's like a wave that comes over me. That's like, wow. Like either if I'm like going through something and I'm not like recognizing it, when I sit down and have that time, I actually am like, okay, this is something that's happening right now. It could be a wave of anxiety. Like I had a really stressful work week but I didn't let it get to me. And then I sat down on a Saturday by myself doing whatever, watching TV or just kind of sitting there and actually thinking about it. I'm like, this is like how I feel now. I didn't feel like this during the week. And if I were, were to have gone out, I probably would have never felt it or thought about it. So now that I have that time, there's less chest pain because that was the biggest thing for me. So now I kind of have that thing where I sit and I breathe and I think through it and I talk to myself about it sometimes and like talk out loud. and doing that. It's just like, I guess a kind of way of like healing myself and that like knowing and understanding that like, you don't have to always do things. And you can not you can still do something, but you're not really actually physically doing anything. So it's shown up for me just in a way that's made me feel more comfortable with myself. And knowing that I don't always have to do things for myself or other people, but I can have that time back that I didn't have for years that I kind of like took away from myself to relax and not have it. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's one of those things where I'm like, wow, like where was this for the past like 10 years when I needed it? And now that I have it, it's just a wave of like happiness is the way I would put it. Like, I just feel happy. I feel good. I don't feel stressed and overwhelmed and I'm running around crazy. I just feel like happy for once. Cause I feel like I lost that for so long. And like, now that I can have it back, I'm like, this is what it means to be happy. And happiness isn't going out all the time. It's not always moving around and like the hustle and the bustle of the world. It's like 
happiness for me is like taking time for myself and knowing how I want to do that. I think we talk a lot about balance between doing and being and how critical it is to make space for our own thoughts, to process whatever we're experiencing, because otherwise we're just reacting. Carly hit it on the head with that one because my mom and I like to say we do nothing very well. And you have to learn how to get there because that is not accepted for the most part in our society. It is the doing is what is rewarded. The being present, the being still, the being in your thoughts and your feelings and processing and reflecting is not so much so. It's oftentimes labeled as lazy and unmotivated but it's like absolutely not this is a very foundational thing for us to even do the things that we are created to do to be purposeful to be intentional to be genuine and authentic and so I resonate 100% oh my gosh I used to be that girl go 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 and I didn't realize that it was my defense mechanism. It was the way that I coped with a number of things. I genuinely loved to be doing, right? I loved being with my friends and doing work and things like that. But I did not have balance. I didn't have the time to process, to be in my thoughts, to be with myself, to love myself. I mean, you have to have that space and that time with yourself to love yourself and to process certain conversations, interactions. Like I think it is very healthy to be able to have the space to be able to process things that have happened, experiences, so that you can kind of see all sides, all perspectives. Because in a moment of conversation, we may be very much in our thought and like, this is what I believe. But we are consciously and unconsciously downloading other people's perspectives, right? Whatever they had to add to a conversation. And it is in those moments of silence and of being still, being with self, that we can start to be like, huh. That conversation from earlier comes back and you're like, man, they had a really good point. I couldn't see it in the moment. That was actually a good point. And now I can marinate on that and I can maybe go back to them and be like, you know what? I see where you were coming from because that also strengthens relationships and can help resolve some things. Carly also talked about how as part of her healing journey and working with a therapist is that she takes time before she reacts whenever she verbally reacts to someone whenever she's having an emotional response. So she gives herself 48 hours to process that feeling. And if she still feels the same, then she will have the conversation. But she also finds that often she's having a reaction that isn't based on what this person said, but based on something in the past, right? But this goes back to the only way to do that is to allow yourself that time. You can't process that emotion without reacting if you're go, go, go all the time. Absolutely. And it is in that those times of being with self where the real growth happens. It's not in the doing. The doing is a part of it. But you have to first understand what you have to do and then go and do it so that you can be purposeful. But, man, it's really the growth because then being able to evolve in your thought, it, evolve in your perspective, evolve in your behaviors, that real work happens when you're by yourself, when you're sitting still, and where you're giving yourself the permission to just not do everything and be on the go. It's uncomfortable, man, but it's so necessary. I also think that it's really telling or interesting that her go-to modality is coloring because coloring is like a, a doing light, right? It's like you're being because the coloring is forcing you to be 
But as someone who was a go, 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 coloring helps her to be, quote unquote, doing something when she's doing nothing. And it's incredible, right? I think all of us have go-to healing mechanisms that work for us based on the way we show up in the world, right? I love that she has found this healing modality that fits with the go, go, go push, but also allows her mind to wander and to be. It's incredible. I like that perspective. I think in people who who can identify with being those doers and being on a go, that's a good way to think about it. It's like you're just doing less, but you're still doing something, but you're also being present. I think walking meditation is another form that's like that, right? A meditative walking, focusing on the, your heels, sitting the ground and being present in your body as you're walking is another way of calming your mind when you are someone who has trouble sitting still. And so I think as we talk about healing modalities, this is the reason why some modalities work really well for some people and others don't, because we need to find the one that works with our natural way of being and allows us to calm down. And that's why it's so important for us to become self-aware. And that takes the time of being alone, right? Being able to see yourself, how you respond, how you move, how you act, how, how, what things trigger you to speak. Being self-aware helps us to figure out what are the things that I need to manage myself to navigate through life the best way possible. And personally, for me, understanding who I am, how I show up, when I show up, what are those triggering things has really helped me to give myself the nourishment that I need work in my professional life, in my personal life, relationships with family, friends, intimate partners in the community. And then you can advocate for yourself. You don't have to just take what people give you. We can actually advocate and say no or yes or yes, but that self-awareness, I pray that we all get there. It helps so much. Carly also talked about being aware of her body and how she's developed a breathing practice. I have tried many things over the years. I, a therapist I used to see would just hand me paperwork to read. And I'm like, I don't think this is reading. This is really going to help me like feel any better or like, you know, process anything that didn't work. I tried journaling and I'm like, I really don't like writing my feelings down. And then I tried just recording myself to like talk it out. And I didn't like that either. So the more and more that I've like tried so many different things to like allow these to happen, it was the breathing that really worked for me because the way that things show up for me is like, I can think, but I also have that physical pain. So it's like my chest just aches. And if I sit there and allow that to happen, it'll ache for days. And it's not pleasant. It's very painful. And I'll just let it happen. And I can tell when it happens, like it's tight. But then also my breathing starts to get very like slow and it's harder to breathe. And so if I don't take that few minutes to like breathe in, breathe out, close my eyes, relax, then I know that that's when I'm not going to be able to process it. But if I do that, I feel a lot better in going into it. Like, okay, breathe through it. Once you get finished with that breathing, kind of think about how you want to react or how you want to kind of continue to go through this. Because if it makes sense after the breathing for me to write it down, I will. And a lot of the time I'll just call my mom and be like, I need to just lay this out. Like, can you take on what I'm about to tell you? Because I need to talk about it. 
And a lot of the time, that's probably the best thing to do is just like lay it on her because mom knows best and she always tells me straight. So if I'm like worrying about something or thinking about something in the past, she'll be like, why, why are you doing this? Here, think about this instead. Or like, here, let's talk it out. Like, is it really worth you worrying over? And most of the time it's not, but it'll just come into my head. Like these things have happened. And the past, I know when those things did happen, it was more of me getting an attitude or me lashing out on whoever I was around. So kind of not having that lash out anymore or trying not to and working through that is the bigger part. Because if I know, again, if I don't breathe, I'm going to lash out on someone. So that's definitely the biggest thing for me. And like healing through that and getting through those thoughts is the breathing. Often our emotional pain shows up as physical pain. And so listening to our bodies and developing techniques to address when our body is speaking to us is also so important as part of the healing journey. And what that is, is us being kind to ourselves. It's us listening, actively listening to ourselves and our needs and honoring. Our body is very vocal. We may not listen to it, and it'll make us do something, right? It'll force us to have a shift like that is so out of the blue and uncomfortable. And sometimes we might need to experience that. For me personally, I've had a couple of those experiences. I am in the practice of honoring my body now because I don't want that to happen out of the blue in an inconvenient way. This is not the time or the place for this body. But you know what? It only happened because I didn't listen to you. I was not honoring you when you tried to tell me softly before the big bang came. And so, yes, we have to honor our body. It speaks. So it all starts with ourselves. Carly having those modalities that she does and those practices and really honoring her body when she feels that chest pain is really important. And and we do, we just have to slow down. One of the things she talked about too in the being still is she's slowly remembering more about her teenage years. When I talk to my parents about the situations that happened, because I, quite frankly, have repressed so much of five years of like being a teenager in my early 20s that I don't remember 80% of like how I was acting. So I'll ask them questions and, oh, like, what did I actually like do this, this, and this? He's like, my dad will be like, no, like, here's actually what happened. Like, this is what happened, like, the XYZ year. And I'm like, I don't remember any of that. Like, I hardly remember, like, even the good times, like vacation or playing a sport or going somewhere. Like, don't remember it. And the more I look back on it now, I'm like, wow, I really did repress everything. But I think when I start remembering some things or talking about them, that I can look back and have a better outlook on the way that it affects me now with me not like fully getting it, but then taking that step back and being like, okay, well, this happened at this time. And I can see that this situation is reoccurring in a different way. So here's like how you should act upon it rather than having that same repetitive behavior that you had as like a young teenager to a different, more adult behavior almost is like, I would say a more mature behavior and kind of take a different perspective on it. And I just think it's incredible that our body does that, our mind does that, like our body signals to us that we need to take care of it. But it also protects us in times where we're experiencing trauma. 
then we have to give the gift back of processing that trauma when we're in a safe place to do so. It takes time, though. You have to journey throughout life. And, and sometimes, a lot of times, some tragic stuff has to happen in order for us to learn the lesson and to understand that, oh, this is what this is for. This is why this was created or this is what I'm supposed to be doing. We don't always learn when it's easy. Carly also talked about the importance of community. So she talked about how the CrossFit community has been a support for her, but also attending networking events and challenging herself to meet people. I think five or six years ago was the first time I went to do like a CrossFit class and my grandpa paid for me to do it. And it was like a personal training one-on-one thing. He's like, you should try this. Like the summer of my sophomore year of college. And I was like, hmm, well, this is kind of fun. And then I just started doing it all the time and I started paying for it and I started going. And other than just like actually physically working out and like getting a good sweat in and, you know, music's playing and people are all doing the same thing you are. There's also that aspect of community and family. And I've been to multiple different gyms over the years, but I think that's the number one thing that has been more helpful than anything is the people that I'm surrounded with when I walk into the door because everyone is nice. Everyone wants to have conversations. They want to know how you're doing. So in getting a workout in, I'm also having that like small hour of like socializing with people that like aren't my close friends, but people that, you know, they care and they want to get to know you rather than for me going to any other gym where I just put my headphones in and I do my workout. I never felt like that was benefiting me in any way. Like, oh, I'm working out, but I don't really feel any different. As when I go to CrossFit, it's like, one hour. It's energetic. It's upbeat. And everyone is doing the same thing together. So basically, we're all suffering at the same time. But like, if I'm having a terrible day, and I walk in there, the room lights up because everyone is smiling, everyone's happy, and everyone's gonna have a good time. I I leave feeling better because I talked to people, I got my workout in. And it's been a routine for years. There's been times where I'm like, why am I still doing this? But then it's like, well, here's actually why I'm doing it. It's for myself because it's kind of a release, but then also to have fun and be present in that moment with people that want to see you succeed, I guess, in a way. It's community. I think community is so important on our healing journey. So we only have a little bit more time, but I want to touch on that community real quickly. So I know that there are other areas of your life where you have really sunk into community. Can you talk quickly about that and how that has supported your healing journey? Yeah. So I, for years, well, I worked at Lululemon for years and that was a big sense of community for me, getting very heavily involved in more of the athletic side of like the city of Dayton. But then when I kind of switched over to more of like that corporate side of work, I was like starting to find all these like networking groups and like people and like, I'm like, Oh, I want to be a part of this stuff. And I think in doing that, it's helped me a lot, like kind of a creative outlet for me also being on like the steering committee for um, the generation Dayton at the chamber has been one of the things where I'm like, I can be creative and these people actually want to hear my ideas. And so there's collaboration in that community It's a sense of meeting new people, um, which has always been a terrifying thing for me. I am not extroverted whatsoever. So I like walk into a room and I'm like, I don't know you. I don't want to be here. And the way that the healing side of things like brought me power to kind of come out of my shell of being super introverted and allowing myself to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that has been 
amazing because I know if I didn't switch over to that more like corporate side and go into all these networking groups and meet all these people that I probably would just like stay in like a shell all the time. So that's been an outlet for me to kind of be more in the community rather than just like having it as a support system. It's like, I'm actually immersed in doing that. It's just made me feel a lot better. And I can actually feel like I can have a conversation with someone that I don't know. I don't know. It makes me happy. I like, I feel happiness in it. Sometimes it's stressful because it's like all the time things are happening and you need to be present for all these things. But again, like in learning to say no and they get it, they're like, Oh, like you can't make this event for, cause like you're stressed out or like you've had a really long day. That's fine. Like take your time. And so it's more than just like knowing people as like people that actually care. And like, you wouldn't think that that would happen normally, but it's one of those things. If you walk in somewhere, like people know you and you know other people at this point, after doing it for so long, it kind of just like lights up the day. So she is on the board for Generation Dayton, and she is a self-proclaimed introvert. So forcing herself to seek out community in CrossFit and in networking events has been incredibly rewarding and really powerful in her healing journey. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's important to have the solitude and the silence, but it's also important to have community. I mean, it's great to know who you are, how you operate. But again, I think that's part of the growth. That's like part one. Part two is then doing that with others and allowing interactions with other people to then challenge us in the way that we think, in the way that, because it's not so healthy to be so into ourselves, right? We need that to understand, to have some wisdom and to just learn how to navigate life and to manage ourselves. But then being, we were created to be in community to be in a village, to be in a tribe. And so we have to learn how to do that too. And that means that we cannot force us in that whole situation. So like, I think it's great that Carly challenges herself to be in those spaces, to get out of her shell, get out of her comfort zone. So knowing who you are, but then challenging yourself to grow. She left us with the advice of be patient with yourself. Healing, people make it seem like it's very easy. And it'll just happen, but have patience with yourself and make sure to let others know to have that patience with you and to get curious and ask you questions and know what you need. I think in my healing journey myself, if I wouldn't have spoken up and been like, you know, if I look like I'm having a rough day or, you know, I have been really anxious for a couple of days, like, here's what I need. So here's what I need when these things happen. And when the people closest to me know what I need, along the journey, they can then help me push through and power through and have patience and understanding that like, if something is happening, there is a reason behind it. Here's how I need to take a step back and like, calm myself down and move forward. And having the patience for yourself is more important than anything else. Because it can be difficult. You can think like a week, a week or two weeks, oh, I've seen a therapist for two weeks. I feel great. I don't need to do it anymore. Two weeks later, it could be a whole nother story and you're going to want to go back. And so knowing to whatever you put in place at the beginning, check in with yourself, have that patience, move forward and progress at a pace that's going to be comfortable for you rather than trying to speed through it. 
healing, in my opinion, is a lifelong journey. It's not going to happen in a year. It's not going to happen in five years. It's always a learning experience, um, learning something new every day. Patience is my number one piece of advice. So spot on. The healing journey requires patience with yourself. It is not something that is going to happen overnight. It is something that's going to take time and commitment. Everything that we do for ourselves helps us to then turn that around with other people. If we're patient with ourselves, if we give ourselves grace, if we're forgiving and compassionate, we then treat other people that way. And that helps to build bonds, which bonds and relationships help to nourish us. So it really is all like a cycle and connected. It's all necessary work. Thank you, Carly, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing vulnerably your story with us. It's powerful and inspiring, and we appreciate you. We also want to give a big thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Brad Mays. Thank you, Brad, for helping to make this healing conversation possible. And for anyone who wants to get involved, join the community, have some more conversations, head over to our website, tearstidesandtransformation.com. We'd love to hear from you. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And this has been Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the of you going through it all the audacity of you trusting self all along I see